escape to the metaverse. But act like you know, yeah. You are now tuned into the Matthew and Rizzo show, yeah. Uh, escape to the metaverse. Better act like you know, yeah. You are now tuned into the Matthew and Rizzo show, yeah. Hey everyone, before we begin this week's episode of the Matthew and Rizzle Show, I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Proof of Beauty. Proof of Beauty is an experimental digital experience studio. The blockchain is their canvas and the tokens are their brush. You can learn more about Proof of Beauty by checking out pob.studio. You can follow them on Twitter as well at P-R-R-F Beauty. That's P. RRF Beauty on Twitter and POB.studio on their homepage to learn more about their projects like Hash, London, and Publico. Thank you and enjoy the show. Okay, Yelly, welcome to the Matthew and Rizzle Show. Awesome, awesome. Thank you guys for having me and shout out to Abysms for requesting this podcast interview. Yeah. Hey, Abysms. Cool. Uh, well, I'm really excited to, to chat with you today about your, your art. The NFT space at large, art in the NFT space and the traditional world, all that good stuff. Um, but first, before we begin, I'm curious if you could kind of share uh, a potted history about yourself, where you've come from and what drew you to the space and what you're doing today. All right. So a brief history about myself. Uh, I came into the space in 2019. At the time, I was a restaurant server uh, and I started off on an app called Additional App which was kind of like an Instagram UI sort of um, NFT app that let users mint for free. Um, And that's how I just started putting out my photography, some digital mashups, some artworks, and started connecting with everyone in the community. Uh, Little by little, you know, I realized, hey, this is going to be a little bit bigger than what I anticipated, started applying to different platforms, got more involved in the community. um, And long story short, I left the restaurant business to just do NFTs full time. And I've been doing that ever since. Uh, I'm also a Playform Art Studio resident. So um, I've been working with some AI software, training it on my uh, generative analog instant photographs. Uh, And I will be dropping a collection on that soon that will come with uh, an AR powered instant photograph. So be on the lookout for that. So for your generative art practice, did that start after additional, after you came into this space or were you doing uh, generative art before, like when you were working in the restaurant business? It started within additional in a really, a really funny way that uh, when I first started on additional, I was just putting out photography and just stuff for my Instagram feed because I didn't know any better. And then I saw what everybody else was putting out, some, you know, crazy glitches, some really cool generative art. And I was like, all right, let me explore this front a little bit and, you know, push my artistic boundaries. So I started playing around with some applications and there was one in particular, I can't remember what it was called, but it produced similar light patterns to what I'm doing with my photography now. And I was obsessed. I, you know, dropped a a mini series on additional called Meshed. And, you know, completely forgot about it. Then during the pandemic, I was, you know, just playing around with my camera and some lights that I have in my room. And I started, you know, I made that pattern again. I said, wait a minute, I can do this manually now. I don't need the software to generate, you know, these cute little lights and colors for me. Mm -hmm. I can just do it myself. I can do the settings. And I just started experimenting and uh I think a month or so afterwards I got uh a message from my first collector uh Jake Bruggum who was actually on additional as well he collected my very first additional uh sale piece and he reached out to me and he's like yo I love what you're doing with these lights you need to pursue it like just follow whatever this intuition is and I just I followed his advice and I just kept playing with my lights pushing it a little bit further 
And then I thought, well, let me push the generative part a little bit more and introduce the AI software aspect to it. Go on. Oh, I was just going to say, it's so cool to hear like the story of the come up on additional, which I feel like doesn't get a lot of uh, credit that it should for being like one of the really early playgrounds for experimentation within the space, Uh, you know, just creating art and being able to do exactly what you said, like mint for free. I I feel like when Rarible popped up, uh, minting was super cheap in there. It was like a similar phase of that. I was also saying to Matt before, uh, yeah, I feel like we've swam in the same pond for like ever together but never actually like done you know a thing together or like really cross paths until now so uh again shout out to abysms for uh sort of hooking this up uh would be would love to hear you know as someone who started out like very early on with nfts and experimenting uh before like anyone was really paying any attention and seeing the progression now like uh taking a look through your work i feel like I really love how you have sort of like stayed in your lane, like doing what you obviously really like to do, but like building upon that Uh, would love to hear your take on like the space overall, like how the big NFT boom, like how has affected or not affected your approach, Um, you know, and just sort of the lay of the land from someone who's been here from, you know, very early times. All I can say is that everything has changed. (laughs) everything has changed from 2019 it's an entirely different world that you know that we're interacting in right now uh back then additional was really an app way ahead of its time it really was um it gave users a lot of features that we're asking for today you know in-app trading you could trade nfts you know I want this one from your collection. I'll give you this one from mine. And then just instantly swap them with people. Um, It was, it was a phenomenal time and I'll forever be grateful for it. Um, But yeah, the, the comeuppance um, since then, uh, I've seen a lot of, of shifts in the space. Back then we were literally just giving away our art for free. You know, X copies were selling for $5. They were sitting there, you know, untouched for over a year Um, it was crazy you know and I still hold on to that that sort of mentality of I want my hand I mean I want not my hands sorry that sounds terrible I want my (laughs) art in the hands of the people and back then it was so easy you know you would just claim it you know hand it out and it's yours and I would give it away on Twitter and be like oh you didn't claim this edition I've got mine you know you can have it and to this day uh, you know, I'll have some collectors or some fans reach out and be like, hey, I really like this piece, but, you know, it's out of my budget or, you know, can I trade you for something or, you know, work something out? And I'll be like, of course, if you want my art, I will do whatever it takes to make sure that you can have it and enjoy it. Um, but moving on from that, uh, the NFT boom, the PFP boom shifted a lot of perceptions in the space. Um, and it did, it ignited it, but pushed artists to the side for a, a brief moment. But I think it was, it was necessary. Um, without the influx of people coming in with the excitement of, oh, you know, profile pictures, you know, what's happening here? Oh, NFTs, like, we wouldn't have this big rush that we have right now. So I'm thankful for it. Uh, even though there are there was a lot of drama in the in the leading months of of whatever's happening right now with like you know board apes crypto punks you know all the other pfps it wasn't an easy road with those as well um you know you, you always have the naysayers and the haters and like oh no don't invest in those you know invest in artists and my mentality back then was yeah you're right invest in artists this is kind of dumb but then I took a step back and I saw the bigger picture of what was really happening in the landscape. And I thought, well, this can't just be a space for artists. You know, if we want to build the metaverse, it has to be for everybody. So let's invite, you know, everybody. Let's welcome them in. And, you know, I'll admit I dipped my toes in the, the PFP world and it was fun. I love it. So I'm, I'm here for all of it. The good, the bad, the ugly, the fun the terrible, the dramatic, like I'm here for the long haul. I love that. That's so refreshing. And that that's the exact same mindset 
that I think I have and you have to have to like really enjoy all of this because like the whole world can be here is that potential, right? And there's already like a really interesting kind of diversity of like weird, weird projects doing all the things. Um, it's still super early and super small, don't get me wrong. Um, but keeping that open mind and like seeing these weird, wacky things that happen, being able to kind of like just be entertained by the drama and not take it so super seriously and work yourself into like a frenzy of like, oh no, how dare these PFP projects kind of like extract or extort all the, the value and meaning and importance of the space and just taking it for what it is, like this interesting technology that artists can use as as much as like the biggest grifters or like the most redundant uh reductive projects or whatever anyway <laughs> um i just love your your attitude and your approach and i wanted to shout out before when you're talking about additional and uh jake bruckman uh, from coin fund big shout out to him they just did so much to help spur on this early base of artists that were coming into the space and learning about nfts and the whole tokenized uh tokenizing and minting process um, i remember back on scent days there was this really interesting early crossover from people coming from additional two cent kind of sharing more longer form about what was going on. And it was really instructive for me as a, just a collector. Um, but speaking of, of collecting and your collector base, I'm just curious. I always like to ask, how do you think about collector experience? Um, like you mentioned Jake as your first collector and I know you have more collectors since then. How do you how do you think about them? Are, are they just individuals to kind of like soundboard off of? Are they abstract individuals for the most part who are just kind of supporting you? But what's your perspective on them? And then how do you interact with them? And how do you think about releasing future work to an um, existing collector base? Well, first of all, I want to say that I've been blessed with the collectors that I've had. I appreciate each and every one of them um, because they do sustain my livelihood. So thank you to all of them, um, especially Jake Bruckman, though, because... I mean, I say this to him all the time. He was my very first collector. And it sounds a little bit silly to say it so often that way, but like it really does mean so much to me because back then, like I said, I was a server in a restaurant. That's, you know, that's just what I did. And in my mind, I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. You know, it's not what I'm meant for, but I couldn't quite articulate it. And when I started posting work on additional and getting feedback, I was like, okay, this is, this is nice. And then when Jake reached out and he was like, Hey, I really like this piece you did. Can I buy it from you? And back then, like on additional, there wasn't a sale option. You know, you couldn't bid or anything. So it was just trading for free. I didn't even have any Ethereum at that point. And I thought, wow, here's someone who likes what I do so much that he wants to pay for it. And it was only 17 bucks. Like it was 0.1 ETH, $17. But like, it was life-changing. It really was. And from that moment on, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to shift my attitude and, you know, what I'm putting out. And that was that moment that sparked in me. I was like, okay, well, now I'm an artist. I have collectors. I'm going to, you know, put out a body of work that, you know, I can be proud of and they can be proud of as well. Um, but how I interact with my collectors is something that I take very, very personally. Um, keeping Jake Bruckham as an example, uh, we had a NFT NYC uh, last year in uh, November and I wasn't sure if he was going or not. And he you know, sent me a DM and he was like, hey, you know, there's this Dreamverse event going on. You know, do you know anything about it? And I said, oh yeah, I've got tickets. Um, if you're heading out, you know, to that event, let me know. That'd be awesome. Didn't hear back from him. And I was like, okay, is he going? Is he not going? I'm not sure. But um, I had dropped a mini collection of some uh, instant photographs that I had done, excuse me, <clears throat> to uh, just hand out to some of my longtime collectors. Uh, and most of them were additional folks. Um, so again, shout out to them. But I didn't know if uh, Jake was going to be there, but I had taken a small little note and, you know, his copy, uh, his instant photograph that I had minted. So I kept the physical and I had it in my little bag. And towards the end of the night, I was almost about to head out and I came across uh, the CEO of uh, Playform, um, Jennifer Chang. And I was having a conversation with her 
And as I'm talking to her, I see Jake and I'm like, oh my goodness, is this Jake Brock? I'm like, tell me this is him. Please, Lord, tell me this is Jake Brock. So I can finally <laughs> meet him in person. I was freaking out on the inside. And he walks up and I was like, oh my God, Jake, it's me. It's Jelly. Like, it's YRDGZ. Like, oh my God, I've been waiting for this moment. I have something for you. I have something for you. And he just looked at me like I was crazy. He was like, what do you mean you have something for me? Like, what? And I pull out this little envelope and I'm like, this is for you. I just want to thank you so much for everything. And, you know, like, thank you for being my first collector. And like, I'll, I'll always hold on to that moment. Um, it was, it was precious. Yo, what a great story. <laughs> Your whole entrance into the space is like such a great story, honestly. Um, <laughs> Yo, I would love, I don't know that Matt and I, I'm, we must have talked to people who like dabble in like the style of art that you do, but I feel like I've never really like heard from people about the process. And, uh, you know, you've mentioned the lights a couple of times, like you're training AI to do like some generative work uh, for listeners who may not be like already familiar with like your technique and like sort of your style and, and, you know, your approach. Uh, can you sort of describe like what what that is like and also like what the strategy is with like training in AI in that style? Okay, so for my uh, when I say my lights, um, I have a strip of uh, LED lights that I control with some uh, a little remote control. Some I change the light settings, the tempo of it, the speed of them, and I just do some long exposure photographs. Uh, that's the simplest way to put it. Um, but there's, you know, some motion technique, there's some, you know, some lighting techniques some speed techniques um, that I do. Uh, and it's basically just really pretty strips of lights and colors. Um, that's what I do. Uh, and I do those, you know, I do them digitally on my iPhone. I do them on instant cameras like the Fuji Instax. I do it on um, 35 millimeter film on standard cameras. So I'm experimenting with this technique on a lot of different lens-based um, cameras. Um, also, just to note, I'm also going to experiment with a 3D 120 stereo camera. And I have to shout out Coldy for the idea because um, I had met him at NFT NYC. And he was like, you should try using a camera with two lenses and make your lights 3D. Um, but I haven't fully experimented just quite yet, but that's something that's in store for the future for my listeners to get excited about. Um, but yeah, so that's my lights, just pretty lights in little rainbow patterns, all scattered about analog generative. And in terms of training the AI on that, um, I had an entire collection of those analog generative photographs shot on Instax film, series of 100 called Instabstracts on OpenSea. I took the series of 100 and I ran that through the Playform software and I trained it for a couple dozen hours um, and it created its own version of the generative lights um, with its own instant photo type border. So they look kind of like glitchy Polaroid um, Polaroids. Um, and when that project is released, you know, users will be able to mint their own, you know, AI lights. And that will be that. And that will be called Ganalog. Um, so generative analog for short. That's so cool. I always love taking a peek into the process yeah. uh, of the artists, the, the tools that they're using and everything. There, there's parts of your work that, especially like the lighting and the photography combination, really does remind me of like Giselle Flores. Um, yes. Yeah, it's I, my I, highest of compliments to receive. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. She's yeah. my favorite. She she's absolutely amazing. Also, I do need to double click into that Cody impression impression that you did. Like you you almost sounded exactly like Cody, like the affect that he has. He's like, no, you should. <laughs> it's like perfect Cody. Um one, one thing I was noticing going through your body of work, uh, and really interested to hear uh, the background into it is that you, you're on multiple platforms and it seems like you're running different experiments, different platforms. Tell me how you think about all the different platforms that are available to artists today. And like, how do you choose and how do you think about releasing on these different platforms like known origin, object, ephemera, rareable, OpenSea, et cetera? It's overwhelming. It really is overwhelming with the options that we have. But then again, I don't think we have enough. (laughs) 
which is ridiculous to say, but it's true because I mean, it's fun to have all these marketplaces and, you know, you have the big players, you see, you know, super rare and known origin and rareable. And you're like, okay, you know, they're trustworthy marketplaces, but sometimes you just want something a little bit more freeing um, and less centralized, but you know, that will come with time, I suppose. Um, But when it comes to deciding where to mint, uh, it's honestly something I hadn't thought of until I guess like the start of this year. Um, Cause I would just, you know, sort of look at my, my body of work and think, okay, well, how does this fit into what I have on known origin already? Or, you know, if it doesn't fit on known origin, well, I'll just throw it on rareable. But if it's a photograph, then I'll put it on ephemera. But, you know, I'm not really minting much there. So what do I do? And then I moved to OpenSea. But now it's like, no, don't mint on OpenSea because that lazy minting contract is terrible. You should get your own contract. I'm looking at getting my own contract, but I already have my own contracts you know, that I started a few years ago, but I don't mint on them anymore. And it's like, oh my God, what do I do? Um, so I, I really don't know. It's just, it's too overwhelming. Um, but I think moving forward, the plan is just, you know, get a manifold contract for, I guess, each type of work that I'm going to do, and then just categorize them that way. Um, and hopefully get into super rare someday. I don't know. Do when you're you were mentioning like you know sometimes you want a platform that's like uh, less centralized uh, you know obviously big fan of additional from back in the day like what that's out there today do you feel like captures that sort of like same spirit the most or is there anything out there uh, and like you know I feel like there's a lot of talk about like Instagram sort of going that route of additional in in terms of like functionality and everything uh and would be interested to hear your thoughts on you know whether or not that would be like good for the space uh or how that would affect the space and you know what you do and everything um (laughs) just what you need is like you know another option out there I'm sure uh but uh yeah we'd just be interested to hear your take also like how more options uh would be beneficial as well because you're saying there's so many but like possibly the need for more like what what would be good Hmm. that's a very good question i mean i think if something came out that was similar to additional i don't know if it would work in today's landscape just because additional was so it was so organic but it was also free you know, and that, that allowed a lot of, I mean, I guess part of the downfall of additional, a lot of people don't know this, but it was a copy minting issue um, that caused a bit of a scandal. And, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, you're, you're minting work that isn't yours, or, you know, you're minting plagiarized works. And, you know, some artists took offense to that in the space. And they're like, well, everything that's minted on additional is fake, then, you know, nothing there is original. And then it just, it kind of cast a bad light on additional in a sense. Um, But if something came out like that today, I don't think it would work. I really, I mean, I wish it would if it was done well, but I don't think it would work the same way because it would just be crowded with so many people. It would just be an endless feed. Back then it was maybe less than 40 people at most, you know, and on a daily basis, it was maybe like 20, 25, you know, active users that, you know, I personally connected with, you know, on a regular basis. Um, So to imagine an app like that being flooded by thousands, hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of people just minting whatever (laughs) photograph on their their Instagram feed, like it's not even going to be, you know, art or anything good. It's just going to be whatever they want to post, then... I think that's bad. Um, But if it were regulated in a sense where it's like, okay, you have to know what you're doing. Like you have to know that this is an NFT that you're making and it will be on the blockchain. Like, you know, when I first started on additional, I didn't know, you know, they created a wallet for us. You get the little warning signs. It does say, you know, this is what you're doing, but I didn't know any better. So, you know, I did start posting, you know, some landscape photographs from Instagram until I realized, oh no, this is meant for art. But I mean, I was posting art, but, you know, my my shift in perspective, um, you know, made me realize this is not the type of Instagram app that most people are used to. 
Um, so I think the content would get a little bit messy. Um, as far as marketplaces that we should be having today, um, I think something like Tezos, I mean, something like, um, what was it, Hick on Tezos, something similar to that, but on Ethereum. Um, I guess the closest that we ever got to that was the early rareable days, um, but not a lot of people know about that um, because back then it was the start of the trash art era and everything on rareable was trash. And back then that wasn't a good thing, you know, in collectors' eyes. So they stayed away from it. Um, but early rareable days was the the second best, the second best um, thing next to additional because it was just freeing. You know, you could post whatever you wanted. You saw brilliant art from artists like Robness, Max Osiris, Lulu, Jay DeLay, you know, uh, Second Realm, I Hodel, Cypherpunk, uh, just so many talented artists that were just like, I'm not going to put this on super rare. I'm not going to put this on known origin, like fuck it balls to the wall. I'm going to put this on rareable. And that was magical. So something in that like organic nature of it, just, you can't replicate it. You know, it's just, it happens and it happens. And if you're there, you know, congrats, you, you were there for the miracle. And if you missed it, well, too damn bad. Yeah. I sort of, that, that transition from like early additional days to early super rare days to early rareable days to Hicket Nunk early days before it became unusable. Um, that magic that you're talking about, it's really interesting because there's a lot of a lot of the characters in each of those platforms, either the same artist or the same spirit that each of those early platforms kind of embodied, which created that magic, kind of has shifted in a, a really interesting way. That it definitely I, has. I'm sorry. That I, yeah, that is actually, I, it feels similar to me. Like if you look back in history and just like taking one example, um, like early 60s, San Francisco Height Ashbury, right? Where like the hippie explosion was happening. You had like, the Grateful Dead going there on the street, like super early, like when it was just starting before, like even the masses were arriving, like even like as they were on the road to San Francisco, to, to Hyde Ashbury, that specific neighborhood, that was like the epicenter of cool. And everyone was just having a good time and vibing until they weren't. <laughs> and like gentrification happened, people got kicked out um, in a way that's like similar to like super rare. Everyone's having a good time buying really low priced, amazing art. And then money started to come in. Then like terms of service started to be more strictly enforced and Robness and Max Osiris and uh, second round got like kicked off, right? Forcing them out. But unlike the San Francisco example, where like once that initial magic height Ashbury was, was done, people were like geographically and physically displaced. Like they had to go different places. They couldn't band together, but like, because we're on the internet, we can, in a critical mass, go to a different platform and sort of, like, recreate that spirit um, as long as it's, like, organic and people vibe with it. That, to me, makes me so optimistic for the future, right? Like, we don't know what platform the magic will land at next, but I'm optimistic that as long as there's artists out there that love to create and there's collectors out there that love love to collect um we'll find it again and i think it's just important to try to figure out and learn from the mistakes and why we haven't been able to maintain it for like an extended period of time on the previous platforms so just i've always been thinking about that the way that you're talking about it just really reminded me of it absolutely agree i mean at the end of the day it really isn't about the platforms that we're minting our art on it really is just about the artists mm -hmm. you know our art, where, wherever we mint it, it's going to be on the blockchain and, you know, on our Twitter feeds when we post it, you know, for people to see. So as long as we have that art, we can take it wherever with us, you know, so whatever platform may come next, you know, let it come. Let's enjoy that organic, you know, early days underground vibe of it, you know, make the best of it and, you know, move on to the next. But, you know, we'll always have the art. Yeah. 
I feel like gas crushed a lot of it, or it seemed like it, you know, once like things were sort of like, I don't know, and maybe I'm wrong. You actually have a better, like much better ground uh, floor perspective than I do, but it felt like to me as someone who's, uh, you know, mostly a collector that once gas price sort of rose, like variable didn't really adjust their policies that prevented people from like experimenting and everything. It just like priced a lot of people out. And then there wasn't really an alternative. I don't know. Wax came around. I'd be interested to hear like what you think of some of the other, like, uh, you know, Tezo, Tezos, like alternatives, like low cost minting that are also out there. But I feel like until any of those platforms got like even like remotely robust uh they're just people were just priced out of doing stuff like that uh and it's a shame because you know the infrastructure on ethereum is just so superior to everything else that's out there even the uh ones where it's like essentially free to mint uh so there's just like this weird like breakup of the you know where the tech is at and where the price efficiency is at um is that is that sort of your take on it or or how did it seem to you around that time um i mean i've seen it all i mean i've minted for free and i've minted for you know upwards of two hundred dollars so i've seen it all and i mean it definitely it prices artists out and it's a shame it really is so when you know lower cost networks like tezos came around i was like oh hell yeah this is awesome because it's just so cheap to do um, and it's frustrating to see because I want more artists on Ethereum, because like you said, the infrastructure is so much better. Um, and I learned from dear friend Mighty Moose that token standard means everything. And these 1155s are just not as good as the 721s, you know. Um, so there's got to be there's got to be some solution to the scaling and to the gas fee problem. Um, but I'm sure, you know, with time, something will be solved you know there'll be some solution to this problem but until then we just have to either suck up the fees or you know move to the lower cost networks um i did try out eos uh i think back in 2020 um which was relatively cheap and i did have you know a bit of fun on it but i don't think it took off much um and tezos is phenomenal you know just everyone's there now but like you said everything's got to be on ethereum um, you know, that's that's where the big moves are happening. Um, but I do see big things coming for Tezos as well. So, you know, it's good to have your eggs in multiple baskets. Um, and, you know, let's hope that someone out there is creating some solutions for these problems as we speak. OK, so also I have to say big shout out to Mighty Moose, whom you just mentioned. Yes. And I know he has very strong opinions on, first of all, like, centralization versus decentralization at first i think he was more binary in like web two versus web three but like <laughs> after after calling out like nifty gateway uh i, I think we walked him back to, to looking at like the web 2.5 kind of like middle ground um but i know he has strong opinions on token standards too and i like that sort of that sort of fire that spice um to kind of like talk about honestly like shortcomings strengths weaknesses pros cons about things um what is i I don't know if you have like spicy takes or anything like that directly Mm -hmm. but what are what are some opinions that you hold that may be controversial or at least like not what not mainstream in the nft space when it comes to like technical standards or approaches to whatever i'm curious about that I mean, if I had a spicy take, it would be on PFPs, but only because, I mean, I'm a trash artist, first and foremost. Um, So all that, you know, Max Osiris and Robness and, you know, Second Realm have done in the space, you know, to push forward trash art and what that means. Um, I love it. I respect it. I admire it. I'm here for it. Um, but back when uh, the Bored Apes first came out, uh, I'm sure I'm sure you've seen the the conversations on Twitter. It's like, oh, don't jump into the Bored Apes. You know, all the hot takes on on why PFPs are bad and Robness burning his ape and then burning a punk. And back then, I 
didn't know what like I respected it and I loved the passion for it and like I admired it but like in my mind I was like this is fucking crazy like he's out here just burning these assets (laughs) it it was insane to me like I love the performative aspect of it like I'm so here for it but at that time you know everyone's like I'm not buying apes because you know I'm not here for it I don't agree with what they stand for I don't like the community you know like just that sort of attitude towards the apes and that was during a time where I was like well I don't I don't really know what's going on like this is my first you know experience with it you know I missed out on the punks I saw you know Pranksy do his you know giveaway on Rarible and I missed that boat I'm not gonna miss it again but all of my trash artist friends were like nah stay away from the apes you know they're terrible and in the background I was like well I'm just gonna get myself one join the community and you know see what it's like and you know I got an ape and I saw what it was like and I was like oh this is awesome you know I see what they're doing here I love it it's fantastic and then after I got my first one is when uh, Robness burned his and I was like, oh my God, I like, I, it'd be cool to stand up as a trash artist. and like, well, I'm going to burn my ape too. But like, no, I paid good money for this. Like, this is like, <laughs> like to me, like I've only ever collected to collect, never to flip, never, you know, just to buy it out and, you know, hold it. And, you know, this is my investment. You know, I never collect for that purpose ever. So when I bought my ape, I bought it because I liked it. I was like, everyone's saying, don't buy the apes. They're ugly. They're this, they're that. And I was like, well, I kind of like them. So I got one. And then I immersed myself in the community. And I was like, nah, this could be the next CryptoPunks. But I'm not really sure. But I can't say that on Twitter. Because all my friends are going to be like, no, not the apes. Not <laughs> so for months, I just you know kept to myself. You know, I put up my little profile picture every once in a while. Um, but didn't want to make a big deal out of it just because like the trash artist in me was like, oh, I'm like, I feel a little hypocritical, but not really like, ah. Um, So that's my spicy take is PFPs aren't all that bad because I love mine and I'm glad I held on to it and I will hold on to it because like I said, I only bought it because I liked it and I wanted to collect it. And that was it. Um, But full disclosure, I've only ever bought one nft with the intention of flipping and that would be my second ape and that is that (laughs) well if i'm gonna you know if this does moon or you know whatever then i can't sell it because i bought it to keep it so i have to you know get a second one to sell um but that's my spicy take is i love the pfps yeah that's that's the strategy get get to because you know you can never sell the other one if you like it uh, too much and everything you know that's that's the most hilarious take and your honesty is like so funny and refreshing uh <laughs> to hear as well um i actually lost my train of thought uh with the apes and the profile pictures uh and everything um God damn it, Matt, help me out, man. I, I was just laughing at like her whole story and everything. I'm like, dude, I found myself in like so many similar scenarios where I'm like, oh, I like this thing, but I'm like, it goes against everything. Like I'm supposed to like, you know, support and everything, but I'm like, fuck it. They, you know, I just sort of like it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think Yelly- I actually saw a tweet from someone I follow and I was like, oh man, I wish I didn't, you know, listen to everyone on my Twitter feed saying, don't get an ape when I wanted one. But like I didn't and now like I don't have it. I was like, you know, you can respect and admire um, all of like your influencer and artist friends as much as you like. But at the end of the day, you always have to, you know, do your own research and make decisions for yourself. Um, And if there's any takeaway from this interview for anyone listening, it's just that collect what you like. Don't collect what everyone else is collecting just because, you know, it might make you money or they like it. Or like, if you don't like it, don't buy it. That's it. You know, we had a laugh recently about this, about getting stuck with some stuff that you don't like. And then you got to scroll through it. It's like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> you know, real quick, can you put a, a thing to rest here? What does YRDGZ stand for? And why so many consonants in a row? And am I supposed to pronounce this in some way? Or like, what is going on here? Please help. Okay. So YRDGZ is literally just an acronym of a whole bunch of letters in my name. So the RDGZ is just my last name without any vowels or some extra consonants. And the Y is just the first letter of my name. Um, 
But when I first started on additional, I didn't like, it's like, oh, pick a username. And I always just use my acronym for everything just because it's short and I hate using like my full name or whatever. So I just use that and it's stuck. And that's what I've got. <laughs> I'm uh, stuck with YRDGZ. It's super recognizable. Do you, do you, how do you pronounce this in your head? Is it YRDGZ <laughs> or do you like, is it like your... In my head, I say every letter. I'm like, oh, okay. gosh. I shouldn't have done this to myself. <laughs> and I, I, I've considered a rebrand too, but I'm like, people are going to, you know, not recognize me anymore. Okay, cool. As long as I know like what the, what it is, you know, how to say it. Why are DGZ? Got it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think my boyfriend just kind of like, why are just, and just like, you know, <laughs> had him like that. That'll do. I'll take it. I'll respond. <laughs> Love it. No, I I I, I want to plus one to the golden rule that you're talking about. Like collect what you love. Um, that's it, and that I think captures that magic of the old additional days, and collects or captures the magic of all the other moments and special yeah. uh, that happen at these platforms, right? I think it applies to creating too. Like well, you got to create what you love. I'm sorry, not not to interrupt, but now that you mentioned additional, I think that's where I got that mentality from. Yeah collect what you love because on the app you would literally be flooded with just an instagram feed of everyone's art and you could claim whatever pieces you liked and if you didn't like it you didn't have to claim it so like i would only claim what i liked mm. so like i mean that's that's where that translated from sorry it just clicked when you said additional i was like oh, i only no, like, i claimed what i liked so i still do that oh 100 and like that that's the the most dramatic example because it was literally only collecting right there yeah. the, the buys happened in the dms yep hilarious and so they, well we had a trade feature um towards the end where like if you had an nft that i wanted i can be like hey i'll give you this one if you give me that one and then you could counter and be like no i want this one instead and then we would just instantly swap <laughs> nfts but like I said, an app way ahead of its time. Yeah, 100%. No, it's, it's beautiful. It, it can't be overstated. And like you see that sentiment come up here and there. Um, but it's like when you fully, truly like collect and create like that, that's when like a, a lot of the frustration that pops up here and there, um, especially when like the market uh, gets a little colder, gets a little chilly out there sales start to, to dry up a little bit more big sales happen more and more infrequently people get frustrated but if you're just collecting and creating what you love like none of that actually matters none and of it trusts to- you yeah can't say that enough honestly so what my, my last question that i had before we we do the typical matt and riz shakedown where we like very like we violate your wallet and you're like what are you collecting before that <laughs> I wanted to ask a little bit about Playform and that residency that you're part of. Um, like, what does being a resident artist actually mean? And like, what is Playform doing? Um, well, in my experience, being a resident artist is, I mean, I have to give a huge, huge shout out to Jennifer Chang, the CEO of Playform um, and the entire Playform Art Studio, because they have given me not only the tools to create something a little bit more out there and out of the box and kind of give me the tools to experiment and tinker and see what I can create with them but they've given me the freedom and the time to do so um so it was a year-long residency program and don't tell them but I think I'm past my year um (laughs) (laughs) but I've actually I've been dabbling in three or four different um different projects within Playform. One of them is Ganalog, which is the generative analog instant photographs. Um, But I've also been training uh, it on some self-portrait doodles um, based on some that I had done originally on additional app back in 2019. I had done a series of little doodles. So I'm training Playform to recreate those for me as well, to drop in a small collection. I've been training it to do um, my main project, Um, is called Portals to Enchantment, which is the the project that I initially pitched to Playform saying, please, uh, you know, let me be a resident in your program because this is what I want to do so badly. Um, It's a 
Portals to Enchantment is a series that's trained on all of my travel photography uh, taken in Puerto Rico. And the AI has created its own dreamy little landscapes that look like like landscapes, imagine if you, you know, took a hit of LSD and you went to Puerto Rico and were like, oh my God, this is what the island looks like. Um, that's essentially what Portals to Enchantment is going to be like. Is um, So most of my, uh, my projects are photography-based um, and training the AI on that. But um, just experimenting with some doodles as well. And, you know, who knows what else? I'll, I'll feed the machine. You know, awesome. It sounds so fun, honestly. I'm like... Man, conversations like this make me wish like I dabbled in art more uh, and, you know, played around with these kinds of things and everything. Uh, it's not, it's not, I know I should. I need to reach out. To, what's her name? <laughs> to Jennifer, Jennifer Chang. Yeah, Playform is free. Play form is, uh, I need, use, I, I need like the beginner, beginner, like residency oh, before is, I even step to no Mrs. Code. Chang. This is absolutely perfect for you, though, because it's a no code AI. So it does everything for you. All you need is, you know, your um, your input collection of images. And then you could just click, 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 you know, all the features and train it however you want, however long you want. You could pick the results. You could make it in a little GIF. You could make a little video like and you don't need any technical. That's why I love it so much, because I'm not a coder. I have no, no, no. Uh, no technical bones in my body, but Playform made it possible for me to experiment with GAN, and it's phenomenal. I'm obsessed. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I would get totally obsessed with something like this. It sounds like super, super fun just to like tinker around with. Uh, you know, what you mentioned, uh, you collect things that you like. Uh, and that's very disciplined of you. I try to do the same thing, but every now and again, I try and flip some junk so I can get more stuff that I like. Um, <laughs> and then I get stuck with it. That's how, that's what Matt and I were talking about. Um, what, I mean, th- in terms of like our shakedown, love to just uh, talk to our guests who are collectors about just cool projects that they have in their wallet or that they're, you know, currently checking out or uh, yeah, just what kind of stuff that you collect just because uh, you enjoy it. Man, it's actually been a while since I've actively collected um, regularly, but, um, oh man, put me on the spot. It's very we'll edit this out, don't worry. I, I, if you we'll look at my the, wallet, the I have thousands of NFTs. <laughs> I have thousands of NFTs and now I can't think of one that I love so much. Oh my goodness. Um, projects uh, off the top of my head right now, unofficial um, unofficial punks by second realm uh, is one of my favorites in my wallet i have the pink punk um i remember when he first came out with that project i had looked at them and i was like oh man these are kind of dope uh he made them off of um rest in peace money a lot is, uh had a a custom punk with like the double layer eyes yeah. and second realm had seen his punk and was like oh, i really like your punk and that's what spurred the unofficial punks that he created um and I had stared at them for the longest time I was like oh man these unofficial punks are so cool like I want one I can't afford an actual punk um and at the time I think they were priced at like half an ETH and I was like oh man I can't do that um and then he released like his spud gang um sort of um membership and I was like, okay, well, I'll get the people's potato for this Spud Gang uh, membership that you've got going on. And that, you know, gave me a discount on the on the unofficial punk. So I got it for half price. And I was like, yeah, I finally got my unofficial punk. Um, but that's definitely one of my favorites in my wallet. Love that. Um, and then before we go, if, if there's anything that you want to shout out or just remind people of collections or work uh, that's soon to drop or soon to be released, uh, hit people with... Your, your Twitter, of course, and then any other sites they need to be following you at, and then any, any of those dates. All right. Well, my Twitter, first and foremost, is at V-Y-R-D-G-Z, um, as well as my Instagram. So feel free to follow me there for some not-so-spicy takes and some pictures of lights and cats. Um, <laughs> uh, as far as my projects, uh, you can check out my pin tweet if you're interested in my light photography. You can check out my collection there, my Instabstracts, which is what my Playform uh, series Ganalog is trained and based on. Um, 
Again, shout out to Abysms for requesting this podcast interview. Shout out to all of my additional peeps. Thank you for the ride of a lifetime. Shout out to Jake Bruckham once again for being my first collector. Shout out to Lulu XXX for actually being my top collector. And uh, shout out to Playform for letting me be free and explore all of the creative possibilities that they have to offer. And shout out to you guys for having me. It's been a blast. Dude, you're like a pro. You just <laughs> shout out to you yeah. for crushing this podcast. This has been super fun and uh, really, really appreciate you hopping on with us. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go, I want to do a big shout out to Max Osiris before we head out because um, not a lot of people know this, but um, during the trash art movement of 2020, he did Crypto Art Show 2.0 in Los Angeles, California. Uh, I am East Coast based. I am in New Jersey. And he had reached out and was like, hey, I'm doing this show. I would really love it if you came out. I instantly bought tickets. I was like, I'm down. Let's do it. Then some COVID guidelines hit and they're like, no, we're not going to do the show. He canceled it. And I was like, no, I already bought my ticket. And he was like, fuck it, because you're coming. We're going to do the show. Like, I'm going to make it work. Um, (laughs) Wow. I ended up, you know, I went to LA, we did Crypto Art Show 2.0. It was amazing. And um, at the end, I was, you know, just going to go straight to the airport and fly back home. And at the end of the night, Max was like, absolutely not. I'm not going to let that happen. And he hooked me up with a room for that night. And I was like, you know, uh, I've got this, you're taken care of. Thank you so much for coming out. I hope you enjoyed the show. And that was a lifetime of an, I mean, an experience of a lifetime. So I just really wanted to give a shout out to Max Osiris for that moment. Hell yeah. Damn. Yeah. Plus one to to love and Max Osiris and everyone that you mentioned and the whole space and and everything. Yelly, this is an absolute pleasure to be able to chat with you. And I'm just so excited to watch everything that you're doing. And just, I hope that you keep, being you, doing you, and keep on creating. Thank you, thank you. And one last thing to blow your minds. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> everyone says yelly, um, but it's actually jelly, like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> God damn it! You've got the most confusing <laughs> series of like handles and pronunciation. <laughs> I am so sorry. I mean, I let yeah. it. Fly Wait, where does that come from? Uh, well, my my full name, my full name, uh, Americanized is Yelitsa. Um, so when people say it, you know, they say the Yeli, but in Spanish, it's Jelitsa. So Jelly. Jelly. Jelly, Jelly. Thank you. Well, thank you for blowing my mind. Yes. Um, and correcting us. Yeah. <laughs> Again, thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Really appreciate it, Jelly. Thank you. <laughs> Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Proof of Beauty. Proof of Beauty is an experimental digital experience studio. The blockchain is their canvas and the tokens are their brush. You can learn more about Proof of Beauty by checking out pob.studio. You can follow them on Twitter as well at P-R-R-F Beauty. That's P-R-R-F Beauty on Twitter and pob.studio on their homepage to learn more about their projects like Hash, London, and Publico. Thank you, and see you in the next episode.